from VoiceOver Nerd Productions Incorporated in partnership with Collidium and Winston-Salem. I'm Sean Fitzmaurice, and this is SciWorks Radio. Some of the great scientific theories unify our knowledge and have fundamentally changed the way we look at the world. Heliocentrism, for example, is the theory that the Earth and other planets revolve around the Sun. Though at one time it was soundly rejected by the community at large, it best explained the motions of objects in the sky. In science, a theory is an accepted method of interpreting facts. It's based on evidence and careful observation and cannot be disproved. Evolution, the process by which species change over many generations, is one such theory. I teach a, a non-majors intro bio class. This semester, in fact, we'll be talking about evolution. And many of them have had just a few days of it. Some have never had it, even though it's required in the state standards in North Carolina as the science. And so that can have repercussions. That's Dr. Howard Neufeld, professor of biological sciences at Appalachian State University in North Carolina. I asked him, why does understanding evolution matter? It's the foundation of all biology, of all life. You know, so it's the most important biological subject. It's important in terms of medicine. You know, if you understand evolutionary biology, you can understand how organisms have evolved to be dangerous to humans and other organisms. Then you can design strategies to deal with that. It's important just for understanding science and where we came from. But how can you observe evolution, a process that takes place over great spans of time? Can we see it happening? Or is it a guess? We see this all the time. We see antibiotic resistance evolving in bacteria. That's a form of evolution. And when we look at the whole spectrum of life, then what we see is the same processes are at work. You know, natural selection, organisms that are better adapted to those conditions, leave more offspring for the next generation, and so on. And so this way we can start asking questions about the interrelationships of living organisms, and who's descended from who. The way we do that is, is we can look at the DNA and infer relationships. We can look at the fossil record, and you can begin to see that there's a pattern. Understanding evolution gives us the power to understand what we cannot see, or have yet to find. If you look at Neil Shubin's work at the University of Chicago, he said if we postulate that amphibians made the transition onto land and became reptiles or became terrestrial amphibians, they should have these characteristics and they should be found in the layers of the earth that are of this proximate age. Well, that's a prediction. And they went looking over the world. Where are layers of rock that have fossils of that age? And so they looked and looked and somebody found a snout sticking out of a rock and there was this organism, Tiktaalik, and it was perfectly intermediate between a fish and an amphibian. So in this sense, you know, we used our knowledge of evolutionary science to make a prediction, and then Neil Shubin's group confirmed it. Score another point for the predictive power of science. Any student that doesn't come away with an appreciation of evolution, which is how all life got to be like it is, is missing the main component of biology. And I like to divide it into two parts, evolutionary facts, and then there's evolutionary theory. The facts are the fossils. The facts are homology and analogy in terms of structure, you know, that many mammals have five fingers. If you look at a bat, it's got five bones in there. It's just webbing between them to make the wing and so on. And DNA evidence. And we can see natural selection in action. Those are all evolutionary facts. And as I tell students, you cannot deny a fact. Then 